coming out of college completely debt free is hard to put a number on that. Just yeah, you don't have debt, and then the freedom that gives you to be able to be you know be picky about what jobs you get after college、mm. or to pursue higher education is is worth it. Thanks for tuning in. This is Jason, your host. Today on the show, I'm super stoked to have、uh, Lauren Quartermarsh, who is somebody I've met in the Air National Guard.、Um, she has done a pretty miraculous job of taking advantage of education benefits、um, and really achieved kind of like that "quote unquote" college experience,、uh, despite being in the Air National Guard. And she did it all while、uh, remaining debt-free, not taking out loans for college, and even being able to pocket some money every year where she's graduating.、Um, Kind of in the in the green rather than in the red, unlike a lot of people. So I think、uh, she's got a great story. You'll get a lot out of it if you're looking to join, trying to figure out like what approach should I take to joining the military and、um, you know making the most out of it as far as your education goes.、Uh, she's definitely a good one to listen to.、Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome to the Military Bottom Line Podcast. Where we learn from veterans and those currently serving how to make the most out of a military contract. We are here to motivate, inspire, and help you leverage your service to positively impact you professionally, personally, and financially during your military career and beyond. I've been very excited to chat with you about this because I think you've、uh, had a pretty like. Unique military experience in comparison to a lot of people I know,、um, and I've definitely done very well with with your contract thus far. So、um, I'd love to hear like how you ended up joining the military. Talk talk a little bit about like you know the component you joined and and why and what you've been doing. Yeah, so I kind of decided to join the military the summer before I went to my senior year of high school, and I was dead set on not joining the guard. Um, I actually wanted to join the Marines first,、mm. and I was adamant about that for about six months.、Um, so my dad actually had me go and talk with Marines that he knew that were enlisted to talk me out of it. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> and, yeah, and then they finally convinced me to join the Guard.、Um, so for the longest time, I was looking at joining the Massachusetts Guard because they're an intel unit, and that's what I wanted to do the whole time.、Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went and interviewed with them, and I did all my paperwork. The job I wanted was backlisted for two to three years. Wow.、Um, so my dad asked me to just come talk to the people at the New Hampshire Guard because that's where he worked for 13 years. So he knew everyone there,、um, and I was still adamant that if I was going to be in the Guard, I didn't want to work at the same place that my dad did. <laughs> okay.、And、I was like, I do not want to ever be known as Bob's kid. Fair enough. That didn't happen.、Uh, I am always known as Bob's kid now because I joined the New Hampshire unit because I went and talked with all them, all the people back in Intel, and they're like, "Yep,、yeah, we have an opening. If you want to join the New Hampshire unit, we can get you in a slot and sign your paperwork this weekend." Wow! Wow! Very quick. Yes, it was very quick. So I just transferred all my paperwork up from there.、Um, met with a recruiter in New Hampshire, so I swore in, enlisted. The March of my senior year of high school, so I started doing drills before I actually graduated. Cool. So you're getting,、uh, you had like a basically a, a, that was another job as a senior in high school that you're getting paid for. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yep. So I got the my little E one drill pay, <laughs>、um, one weekend a month for the last few months of high school, which was which was fun.、Um, I had a few friends from high school that joined the same unit as me. 
Um, so that was fun to do. And then I went off to boot camp the fall following my senior year. So I had about six months that I sat in student flight, which was, wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, so I was really prepared to go through cause I student flight trained you up really well. Sure. Um, at least when it comes to reporting and, um, all your customs and courtesies and everything for boot camp, and it was a six-year contract, right? Six-year contract. Um, I, my job was actually on the bonus list. Nice. So well, I got a twenty-thousand-dollar bonus for okay. my six-year contract. Is, do they just like once you sign, like, hey, here's a check, or you know, what does that look like? <laughs> so the way it works, if you have a bonus job, um, bonus jobs are determined by like the critically manned career fields. Mm-hmm. So there's an incentive to people to join those fields. Um, you get your first half of your check when you are finish all of your training. So after you go to boot camp, go through your tech school, and then do all your on-the-job training back home. And then you get a check for your first half, and then at your three-year mark, uh, after uh, your enlistment date, you get the second half of your gotcha, bonus. Gotcha, gotcha. So you have to wait a little bit for, for the for, A little bit, for all but it. yeah. Gotcha. And why were you, I mean, you were very adamant about Intel. What did you know about Intel, and like, why did you, why were you so set on that? I'm a little embarrassed to say. Um, <laughs> that just okay. You can water it down for us if you want. <laughs> no, no. Um, growing up, the pretty much only movies that I would watch would be the ones my dad would pick, okay. and it was all the spy, intel, military movies. That's so funny. So I thought doing intel in the military was going to be like being a spy. I knew it was going to be watered down, but I was like, all right, this is at least going to be my stepping stone. I mean, to be honest, I, I tried to do Intel when I first joined and, you know, it wasn't available um, mm-hmm. because I watched all the Bourne movies and I'm like, I want to sit in the dark room with all the satellite stuff. <laughs> that was my motive. That that was pretty much exactly me. Yeah, I can appreciate um, that. I watched way too many spy movies growing up. Okay. Is it anything <laughs> like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Not, not at least what I do. Um, maybe at a lot bigger Intel units, it's more like that. There's some where you sit in the big room and it's just hundreds of computer screens everywhere yeah. with the lights dimmed down and like bustling around the floor. Sure. Um, it's not really like that though. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So a, a six-year guard contract, um, what what did that look like for you? I see basically one week in a month and that was that was it or? Um. So going in, I didn't really know what I wanted to get out of it besides helping for school. Mm-hmm. So I did all of my training. So my tech school was six months and another four to six months of on-the-job training after that. So I was a year and a half, almost two years into my contract by the time I finished all of my training. Wow. Um, and then I started to go to school full-time. And so, but during that, when I started off, there was actually an opening in my office to do technician time. So I got to work. 20 hours a week doing my job that I had just been doing for the past six months while going to school. So technician, it, it gets a little confusing. So I try to like technician, you're not technically like you're wearing the uniform, but it's Mm -hmm. not technically like military orders, right? Right. It it is different. So the two types or the two main types of jobs you can have full time at a guard unit is active guard reserve, Mm -hmm. which means you're essentially on military pay, federal pay, it's like you're an active duty member. You just stay at your home guard base. Yeah. And then technician. So technician is uh, like state, it's a different pot of money, essentially. So it's funded 
um, not through the military funding. It's more government funding, like you would do for any other type of government job, like mm-hmm. if you worked for the DOT or if you worked for Department of Homeland Security. Um, so it's just another government job, and your pay is different. It's based on a government scale instead of your rank. Are those technician jobs open to anybody, or is it only guard members that it's kind of like a hidden opportunity for? It's a kind of a hidden opportunity for only guard members, um, but it's open to any guard member across any unit. So gotcha. you they post a job opening, and it could be a job for a New Hampshire, and you could have someone from Wisconsin apply okay. and move to New Hampshire for the job. Gotcha. So you were able to do these these technician jobs like almost like part-time kind of thing? It wasn't it was like full-time for a period of the year, but it wasn't year-round, right? Right. So a lot of times working for a guard unit, it's really flexible um, mm-hmm. on how, when you can work. So they had uh, they needed manpower in my office, and then they had some money, so we just worked out a schedule. So when they, so they made it, so I worked 20 hours a week while I was in school, and then over the summer, there's a lot, there's sometimes more flying operations, so they were able to transfer me to full-time during the summers um, when I, in between semesters. Cool, cool. How do you feel like that compared um, in both experience and like wage compensation to to a different job that a college student might be working? Oh, I think it had so many more benefits. Um, the pay being the one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Because um, they're paying me based on my experience in that job. So okay. I've been doing that job for two years when I was going full time for the summer. Mm-hmm. So I was being paid a lot more versus getting a summer internship in engineering, which I'd only been in schooling for, for one semester. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then also it allows you to get a lot more like uh, leadership and managerial experience a lot younger mm-hmm. um, than a typical college job that a college age person would get. So I would be working my own projects, working unsupervised. Um, I got assigned my first like airman. So person I was in charge of when I was 21. Yeah. So now I'm, got to learn to be responsible for and like manage and watch someone else's career and help them develop. So I'd say the developmental like opportunities are way above anything else that I would get working like a college internship. Mm. Are there, I mean, in your program and in, in um, college, like you're, I assume there are people in your same program that are doing like those kind of internships. Do you feel like you're, I don't know. How do you feel like you're comparing to your, your peers in that? area because of the guard do you think it's like holding you back from the profession that you're actually pursuing or is it a worthwhile trade-off at this point i'd say it's a worthwhile trade-off it is going to be a little different so at the end when i graduate um i have a lot of friends who did engineering internships at the school Mm -hmm. so they worked at like our stormwater center or they worked with professors um doing research so they're going to have a bit more of this um engineering experience written down on their resume, but not a ton of real world experience. So yeah. what I gave up for, for engineering experience going out, I'm able to make up for with the, um, putting like military member on my resume, which just shows that the level of like commitment in professionalism and professional development skills that come along with that. Sure. So I think coming out, it's pretty even. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, anything that sets you apart. So like if, you know, everybody doing the engineering program is probably doing pretty similar internships. And Mm -hmm. so you're, you're just kind of all the same. And so if you have an opportunity to, maybe it's not engineering experience, but it is, like you said, like 
more like real world, like managerial mm-hmm. life experience. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, a good, good offset. Um, I'm at least hoping it was a good trade-off. We'll find out when I start <laughs> applying for jobs. I guess that's true. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, so you said you you primarily joined for like for school purposes. Mm-hmm. How did that differ? I mean, if you're pursuing uh, Massachusetts initially and the Marine Corps, like were you were you shopping around to see who had the best education deals, or was it just kind of like you found out afterwards, like what New Hampshire had to offer you? It was a little bit of both. When I was originally wanting to do marine intel, it's because I wanted to be essentially, you know, James Bond and in the field <laughs> and doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And then once I got at that in my head that that's not actually what it's like, uh-huh. um, I started looking at more of what they could offer me. So I knew I always wanted to go to college and get my degree. So that's when I really started looking at the guard because I could serve and then get my degree at the same time. Cool. Because your contract only accrues like one weekend a month once you're done training. Yeah. So I've been able to do that. When I have time, I can work full time. And then when my semesters are busy, I can do just the one weekend a month. So I was looking at both Massachusetts and then New Hampshire, and they actually offer very similar benefits. Um, so the one I ended up in New Hampshire, um, the way it works is there's the, the tuition waiver. So once I finished my training, my, I would have some, I could go to any New Hampshire state school without paying tuition. Mm. It was just kind of a state, the state's thank you is thanks for serving. No one has to pay your tuition. It just poofs. Just it magically disappears. disappears. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So are you, you're responsible for SEM like books and fees basically? Yeah. Yeah. So I pay the semester fees that include like sporting events in the gym and then technology fees and books. Yeah. That it's significantly less. It is unbelievable. So you're doing a six-year contract, and as long as you're in that contract, you can use this waiver and get as much schooling from a state school for free. Yes, yes. So as long as you're enrolled in a program, there's no limit on it. So I could go through my master's. I could go through my doctorate if I wanted. Unreal. As long as I'm in the program, there's no limit. I could go and get three master's in completely unrelated fields if I want. As long as I'm enrolled in a program and in the guard, crazy. I don't have to pay tuition. Crazy. Have you ever like tallied up at how much that has been worth or will be worth by the end of your your enlistment? No, I haven't. Um, I assume it's a good chunk of change because most of my friends going through state schools are coming out with about seventy thousand dollars in debt. Seventy thousand dollars, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so you've been able to <laughs> get your education for a fraction of that, you know, books and fees, um, mm-hmm. and have like a pretty well-paying job when you want it while going to school. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's the Montgomery GI bill. So I will come out of school with zero debt and actually more in my bank account than when I started. That's crazy. Like the, the opportunity yes. to be on like the other end of the spectrum for those, I mean, maybe not 70 grand in your savings account, but even if it's like 20, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're nearly a hundred thousand dollars plus experience ahead of your peers. And it's, it's just like, right. it's mind blowing to me that anybody's going to, um, take out $70,000 of loans to, to do it. But, um, how, how do you feel like, do you feel like you've sacrificed like the quote unquote college experience because you were in the guard? Um, I never really was very, adamant on having the typical college experience. Yeah. Uh, there was time when I first went to school after doing all of my training where I felt like I missed out on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then to make up for that, I had been living on my own. I was like, I should get an apartment with roommates and Mm. get a bit more of that college experience. (laughs) And then after living with roommates for a year in a dingy college basement apartment, I (laughs) did not miss the college experience. And I am perfectly okay with never having lived in a dorm or, you know, that kind of thing. I guess the the college, I always throw quotes around the college experience is, is kind of relative to whatever the individual is looking for, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's different for everybody, I suppose. Do you feel like having the one week in a month, two weeks a year, like that guard obligation withheld you or held you back in any way from doing anything you want to do? No, not really. Um, the one weekend a month, there's sometimes where I was like, Oh, I'm either busy or I want to hang out with friends, yeah. but it's one weekend a month and I'm friends with everyone I go to my work in my office with. So I don't think that really held me back from anything. Um, Sometimes if there's certain things you want to do, like traveling abroad um, or if like you're trying to plan, like, Oh, you're going to a friend's wedding or a family vacation. There's a couple more steps to get approval. Mm. So like if you need to miss your one weekend a month, but it's never really, I've never had to miss any major life events because of cool my commitment. Cool. And I guess that, that brings me into it. Another area is like, you say it's flexible mm-hmm. and I know like you were able to study abroad while in the guard, which is crazy. Yes. So basically you were in Europe for four months when in theory mm-hmm. you have your one week in a month obligation. So like, how does that work? If you have a wedding or if you want to uh, study abroad, like can anybody do that? So it depends. Most of the time. Yes. So I always knew I wanted to study abroad. And that was one thing I was worried about having to sacrifice with being in the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it clear, like with my office, that that's something I wanted to do about two years before I went. Yeah. And then like about the year before where I started to really look at it and apply for my program, we put that paperwork up the chain of command to get approval from my, my supervisor and the commanders and everything for me to miss those four drills I had to miss mm. about eight months in advance. Okay. And so I got approval for those and I actually did those drills before I left. So about a week before I left to go abroad to Scotland, I came in and I worked in the office for a week to do my commitment and catch up on all my training for that week so Mm. that I could go and not have to miss out on that experience. No kidding. So it almost like you don't even necessarily have to do the drill weekends when everybody else is doing them. You just have to make sure that you actually do the time. Yeah. So a lot of times you can't just be like, oh, I want to, I want to go to the beach this weekend. The weather looks nice. Mm -hmm. Can I miss drill? (laughs) Yeah. That's not gonna, that's not gonna fly. But if you're like, I'm, you know, the maid of honor in someone's wedding and you get approval, you want to try and get it in as far advance as you can and make that clear to your supervisors and try and get approval to, to miss an event, uh, to miss drill a couple months in advance. Yeah. Um, then it's not usually a problem. Your chain of command is usually pretty understanding, especially with being guard, because usually people do guard. You're in like your home state around your family. You have life events to go to, and they understand that. Mm. Um, so as long as it's not, there's certain drills throughout the year that they're not going to let people miss if there's like a big exercise going on or a big training event. Yeah. But you usually know when they send out the schedule for the whole year that you are not allowed to miss that that drill that's eight months away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, I mean, if anybody were to plan ahead and ask and like, try, like say, Hey, this is what I'm hoping to do. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to get at like, 
are they always going to bat for you and give you those opportunities or do you have to make sure that you're building a good reputation for yourself in order for that to happen? You definitely have to build a good reputation for yourself and a good relationship with your supervisors and your chain of command. Um, I've lucked out. I'm aware I've lucked out with my supervisors that have always been very understanding Mm. and wanted me to get the most out of both my guard experience and my college experience. Um, There are definitely people that haven't had great supervisors that have advocated for them and have missed out on that sort of thing. Um, So you definitely want to start early making sure that you build yourself, build a reputation as a, a good airman, a good worker who always does their stuff on time, keeps up with their training um, and they're going to be a lot more likely to let you miss drills or training events. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I always try to like get people's perspective on that. Cause uh, you know, people can be turds in the military and kind of just like skate through and not really do anything, but expect mm-hmm. to get all of like the benefits from it. Um, and it, it doesn't always work like that. So it's a, it's a two way street. <laughs> definitely. It definitely is. You can't just sign your contract and be like, all right, pay for my school. I want to miss these six drills yeah, a year yeah. and not keep up with my training. Exactly. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for uh, agreeing with me on that and speaking to that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so then I, I'm curious, like with studying abroad and the benefits and like, it, do I mean, how did that work? So you were gone for four months. They let you they excuse you from your drill obligation for those four months. But as far as paying for it goes, like, cause you're going to a different school when you're abroad. How did, how does that work? Are you paying for it at that point? So I actually didn't have to pay anything more than I paid to go to school in New Hampshire than I did to go to school in Scotland. Wow. It costs the exact same. So the thing is so like, if you're in a state that does the tuition waiver, um, you want to look for an abroad program that's a true exchange mm. uh, and not just like a study away. Cause a true, like a, um, an exchange program means that your schools have a partnership with each other. So in the students that are going abroad, each pay their home institution. It's kind of like a one for one swap essentially. Okay. So I paid the university of New Hampshire, which means my tuition waiver applied. Gotcha. So it, So I got to go over to the university in Scotland and like, I would have never paid them tuition anyways. Yeah. It all went through my school on, um, back in New Hampshire. So that's, was the key thing on me not having to pay any extra to go study in Europe is that I looked for a school that had a partnership with the university of New Hampshire that I could pay my home tuition. And then housing costs over there worked out to be me living on a dorm in campus was actually a little bit cheaper than my apartment back here. Hmm. Um, so I ended up paying more to live over there just because when you're abroad, you're paying for experiences and going out and touring, but the schooling, it did not, it was no financial burden. It was the exact same price as my home institution. And you were able to do that because you actually like had some kind of strategy and you were looking at all the options and Mm -hmm. like you could have easily, you know, if you did not pay attention, you're like, oh, I want to just, here's, a, here's an abroad program. Let me, let me do that. You could have gotten hit with a pretty large bill. Yes. If I had just done one of the few hundred schools listed on like the study abroad yeah. uh, websites, I could have gone to, you know, Italy or Australia or anywhere like that and just mm-hmm. picked a random school that offered engineering classes. But I would have paid their tuition over there. Gotcha. So it probably would have cost about $10,000 or so for the semester. Wow me to go somewhere else to a different program wow and you're able to do it for free that's wild yes <laughs> very cool it was a good experience for you 
yeah, it was a really good experience. Um, part of me before I went, I was like, oh, it would have been awesome to go somewhere like Italy and the warm beaches, mm. but going to Scotland. So I stayed right outside of Edinburgh was amazing. Cool. It was, I love the place. I'm already trying to plan trips to go back. Um, I had great professors. I had great people in my program over there. Um, they had organized trips out to the highlands and out to the beaches and it was a really good experience. Nice. Nice. And that was right before COVID happened, right? Yes. So, so you, you dodged that bullet. You weren't stuck there during, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really did. I traveled back like December 20 something of 2019. Yeah. So like a month or two before COVID started hitting Europe. Wild. Wild. Huh. I, uh, I, I meant to ask before, cause you mentioned the Montgomery GI bill and yes. I, I don't really, I don't really know much about it. Cause as like active duty, you get the post nine eleven. like you get the option, right. but everybody just says, take the post nine eleven. So it's a better deal yeah. for active duty. But how does that work for the guard? Like, why do you use the Montgomery and not the post nine eleven? So the difference is, so the post 9-11 GI Bill, you have to have a certain amount of active duty time to qualify for it. Um, So guard members can get it. So if you're working like an active guard reserve job, Mm -hmm. like I had mentioned before, for I think it's a year or two total time, you can get that post 9-11, which pays for tuition, books, living stipends, and it gets a lot better deal. Um, But being in the guard just with your one weekend a month commitment, you do still get school benefits. So the way that Montgomery works, it just gives you a monthly stipend to help offset like living costs while you're in school. Okay. That's really the whole purpose of it so that you can go to school full time and have some help with your monthly expenses. Yeah. Um, and that is the same no matter your rank or your time in the guard or experience. It's just based off of like living costs Location. where you are to yeah. an extent. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you were able, so you were going to school and you're getting paid from your guard weekends and then your like technician job when you're doing that. And you were able to get paid because you were in school using the Montgomery GI Bill. Yes. That's nuts. And then on top of that, so the Montgomery GI Bill has a base rate for around here for I think about $370 unless you are on one of those critically manned jobs. So like the bonus list jobs. Yeah. In which, in case it doubles it. Wow. wow. So then your monthly stipend kicks up to about $730. Unbelievable. So how much, I mean, ballpark, if, I don't know, if it's too personal, you don't need to say it, but like ballpark <laughs> of how much you are making a year while in, in college. So the years that I worked, it was only about my first two semesters that I was able to work part-time um, after, like during the school year. After that, my job got to be too, or excuse me, my schooling got to be too intense to be able to work at gotcha. the same time. Yeah, yeah. I was taking about 19, 20 credits a semester. If, so on if. the, <laughs> say the last three years, because um, it's more accurate, my first year I made made more. I'd say between working full-time, my two weeks of like training, and then my GI Bill, and then my monthly guard, I'd say about 20 a year. Nice. While in, while in college, while, while in college, college is paid for. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. So I, I, having done it and you were like, no, I don't want to join the guard, especially the unit that my dad worked at. Like, Hmm. how do you feel about it? You know, with this 
perspective now, having done it? I mean, you're what, five, five years into your six years? About five and a half in. Okay. Um, so very much on the tail end looking back. I don't think I would have done it any other way. Yeah. Um, even the times where I'm like, it's such a nice day. I don't want to go to drill. I'd rather <laughs> have my weekends free or I don't want to work for a week in the summer. Yeah. Um, it is completely worth it to get all that experience, um, to have my school completely paid for. I mean, coming out of college completely debt free is hard to put a number on that. Just, yeah. You don't have debt and then the freedom that gives you to be able to be, you know, be picky about what jobs you get after college mm. or to pursue higher education is, is worth it. Yeah, no doubt. Are, are you staying in? Um, I have not fully decided that yet. Oh, interesting. Uh, just because I'm looking at different jobs, different places in the country. Okay. Um, if say, if I, you know, I've been looking at and applying to jobs since I got a degree in environmental engineering with the EPA in the Department of Energy. Cool. So that's the way like I go. That'll be moving me down to DC. Uh, then I probably won't stay in the New Hampshire unit. Um, is there opportunity to like maneuver within guard units? Like if you move to DC for a, for a civilian job, could you just kind of like jump in a unit down there? Or does it not work like that? Um, it does to an extent I could in like re-enlist with a different unit mm-hmm. as long as they have the manning open. Gotcha. Um, so if I'm looking to go to another Intel office and they're overmanned, I would have to look at a few different ones. So if I was moving to DC, I'd have to look at the DC unit, maybe Virginia unit, Maryland, Delaware, and see which one of them actually has an opening in okay. my career field to be able to just jump right in. Cool. So you're not, you're not necessarily like leaving it behind you, but you're, you're putting your civilian career as a priority at this point. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, I always tell people that like, who are like, Oh, you should do like a 20 year. You like, you should become a pilot. <laughs> if that was my plan, I, I wouldn't have put myself through an engineering degree. Yeah. yeah no kidding. <laughs> um, I chose engineering cause that's what I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. Um, so the guard was definitely more of a stepping stone for me. And I appreciate everything it's done, but it's not my lifelong career. Sure, sure. Is it something that you would like encourage somebody else to do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, especially if you're not sure what you want to do with your life mm. and you want stability or you know you want to go to school and you want help paying for it. Or if you're very much, I've always considered the military, yeah. but have been iffy on doing active duty because it can move you wherever in the world. Yeah. Um, I would definitely encourage the guard. I've brought friends into the guard after I've been in um, because it's such a great opportunity. I think I've had four of my friends that I've had join the New Hampshire unit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It was weird. Um, Like now that I'm in the guard and you like, see like somebody like oh yeah like my brother i got my brother joined my cousin and like it's like all of a sudden their whole family's in because one person found out how awesome it is um mm-hmm. and so you know obviously everybody has the different experience and sure you can find people about people sour about every opportunity but uh for the most part i've i've only heard people say good things about their guard experience so yeah it's not uncommon to see you know you know, parents, and then they have their kids join, um, which is me. And I know other people in the unit that are still in, and they're like kids who have graduated high school and are joining the same unit. Or there was one kid in my office who was the oldest. Mm. And since then he's had five of his younger siblings 
join the guard wow. unit. <laughs> is it like, I mean, is it blocked out because of nepotism? And so like all these family people are taking up these job openings. And so like if some random Joe off the street wanted to join, like is there opportunity for him or is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely not blocked off for nepotism. Okay. Um, it's just definitely people who join are like, this is awesome. Why don't people know about this? Yeah. Yeah. And then just tell all of their family. Sure. Um, it's not like this one office is all the same family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely like jobs all around the base or they'll join different units. It's just because it's such a good opportunity. You see clusters of families doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not only <laughs> only that. Though. Gotcha. Okay. Just, just had to make sure so people don't think that yeah. like, you know, my brother didn't invite me so I can't join. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'd be curious, like, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. Is there... What are the bad parts? You know, like what do they exist? Um, <laughs> so I definitely, so like I grew up, like my dad was military my entire life and then I joined. So I think I only really was like, that's just what you do. You join. And then like, I had good experiences with it. Um, one of the downfalls that I think is, is kind of, I don't know if it's guard specific cause I've only ever been in the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy for things to get kind of lost in the shuffle because you do have a lot of people that come in and only do their jobs mm. one week in a month. So they might start a project and then it gets passed off to the full timers and it can kind of get dropped. Yeah. So you very much have to be um, on top of the ball and be an advocate for yourself. Gotcha. Cause you could uh, apply for schooling dates. You should be going in and checking up on those and so that you don't kind of get like lost in the shuffle, which yeah. can sometimes happen. Sure. Um, and then I think like with any job, it's just based on like who you work with Mm -hmm. military or civilian. If you have a good or bad supervisor, that's going to make or break your time there. Definitely. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say though, so like, say you get in a job, you train, you do that, you're doing your, you decide to work there full time and you don't have a good supervisor and you're not liking your job. Mm. You're allowed to retrain. You're allowed to request to either move to, um, if there's openings, a completely new career field if you wanted to. Really? Or at, a different spot on base that has um, the same job. At any point? Like, if you if you finish all your training and, then like, two months later, you're like, oh, this sucks, like, and my boss sucks. Like, <laughs> can I yeah, you, go do something else now? Or how, how long do you actually have to do your job for before that happens? Um, it varies based on job. So the okay. longer your training was, the longer you're going to stay in that one sure. career field. Um, but if you realize two months into it, you hate it, you can start looking for other opportunities, Yeah. but it could be another year or two before you go to training. Yeah. But you definitely don't have to ride out your entire six year contract in one job that you hate with supervisors that you can't yeah. stand. Yeah. But again, it's important to do well at that job. So people will come to bat for you when you want to change it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So absolutely. You can never just like drop the pack and, and hate life and, you know, expect people to come do everything for you. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's important. Okay. So, I mean, if somebody were graduating high school, they're trying to figure out like, should I join the military? You did a lot of homework. Um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to those people? And, you know, what would you say to them? So if you're just starting to consider the military, I'd want I tell you to honestly like write out a list of the things that you want to get out of it. Mm. Um, If you're 
main thing is you're like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I might as well do the military. <laughs> and you're like, cause if you are like, you're like, oh, well, I'm not sure if I want to go to college or not. Um, I'd say definitely like consider guard cause you may change your mind and you might not want to wait till the end of your six year active duty enlistment to be able to go to college. Yeah. If your big thing is you're like, nope, I want to go and travel. I want to get out of my hometown. I want to serve. I want to deploy. I'd say look more at active duty because mm-hmm. in guard, there's less, less opportunities to go um, on deployments and travel. We don't do it as much as the, our active components. Mm. So definitely write out what you think you want to get out of it. And then you can go and visit guard units. You can go talk to people at different jobs, um, talk to different recruiters. Talking to a recruiter is not going to lock you in. Yeah. But I'd say don't only talk to recruiters. Sure. Um, reach out to other people that have been in the active duty side, that have been the guard side. Um, go visit guard units. Um, see what feelings you get from them. Talk to people that have been active duty. Uh, just make sure you do your research before you lock yourself into anything. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point. Like don't only talk to recruiters. I know as like a you know, high school kid trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. You go to base, maybe you talk to a recruiter and you want to be like, hey, random guy, like, can I talk to you about this? But most of the time, people are going to be more than willing to, you know, give their two cents on their military experience mm-hmm. and, and the best way to do it. Cause we'd all rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than <laughs> redo our own mistakes. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would yeah, agree with absolutely. That. Even if it's just like, you know, someone that's a friend of a friend that you've never spoken to reach out to them. I've had, um, people on base. They're like, Hey, my niece is looking to join or my daughter's looking to join. Like, can I give them your number? Mm. I've always been like, absolutely. I don't, I will tell them, I'll sit down and talk to them. We'll go grab lunch. Yeah. And most people are willing to talk to you about their experience and give you the actual, all right, this is what's good. This is what sucks. And not just sugarcoat everything. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. I really appreciate you sharing your your story. And like I said, it's one that like kind of pumps me up because I'm all about free schooling. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) any way you can do that is... uh, is okay in my book. So, mm-hmm. um, I think you did it in an awesome, awesome way. And so thanks for sharing cool. your story. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that show. Uh, I know I got a ton out of it and, uh, it makes me wish I kind of did a little bit things a little bit differently. Cause, uh, she definitely did it in my, in my perspective, she did it the right way. Um, and so I think, uh, it's definitely a repeatable, um, strategy. If you guys are interested in joining and trying to find out how to get college for free and studying abroad and everything i hope you guys enjoyed it if you guys haven't already started following me on instagram it's military bottom line if you're gonna do one thing all day uh you know i'd appreciate it if that were that one thing look forward to the next episode and uh, we'll see you guys next time